0: Hello and welcome back to Chicks and Balls, the podcast, a sports podcast by women about more than women's sport. My name is Mali Silva and today it's just me on the mic as Keely and Georgia have their real jobs to attend to. But nonetheless, we are all super excited to be bringing you today's halftime huddle interview. These chats are deeper dive conversations than what we get in our regular eps and they feature some of our favorite athletes and sports insiders. Melissa Wu is a name that's been a staple to the Australian Olympic team for well over a decade. The now 25-year-old burst onto our screens in 2008 at just 16 years of age, where she became the youngest ever Australian to win an Olympic medal in the sport of diving. But before that even, at just 13, she'd medalled in the 2006 Melbourne Commonwealth Games too, and it was clear to everyone from the very beginning that she was something special. In 2021, she competed in her fourth Olympic Games in Tokyo and brought home bronze in the individual 10-metre platform event, proving once more, with such longevity and success in her career so far, that she's one of our most consistent and resilient Olympians ever. Today, we are so stoked to bring you this chat with the formidable Melissa Wu. She gives some insight on what it was like to grow up whilst being a professional athlete, how she has built up her resilience, and what her day-to-day life looks like now as both an athlete and a business owner. And she also gives a bit of an insight into what her experience was like on SAS Australia, which she just filmed and will be aired next year. A massive thank you to Melissa for making the time and now it's into the app. So, Melissa, we start every single one of these uh, episodes and interviews that we do with a round of fast five questions so these are like you know a warm-up which athletes tend to be pretty used to uh, <laughs> so with these I just want whatever comes to the uh the first thing that comes to mind okay okay yeah do you put your sauce in the fridge or the cupboard cupboard this is good. We are all very passionate <laughs> about this subject, <laughs> and rarely we get a cupboard. We are all cupboard really? people. So, oh, I'm about. Yeah,
1: that. I don't know. You're definitely one or the other. I feel like yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> after you've had like a big day of competing, what is your go-to meal or treat that you give yourself? Oh, um, maybe ice cream. <laughs> nice. Do you have a favorite flavor? Not really. Usually I'm
1: overseas competing, so it's whatever you can get.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What is your favourite country you've ever travelled to? I think Japan. Yeah, nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you watching anything on Netflix or Stan or anything at the moment that you'd recommend?
1: Oh, what am I watching? I don't know. I haven't, (laughs) I'm playing catch up because I was away. I, I, I am not watching anything at the
0: moment, but I'm taking
1: recommendations. (laughs) (laughs) if any.
0: (laughs) Um, And do you have any superstitions or things you absolutely have to do before you go out and compete?
1: Only thing is I never wear a new swimsuit when I compete. It's always one that I've worn before and usually had a good session in.
0: Yeah. You feel like it's got like good, good vibes in the swimsuit? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, they're not the fastest fast five questions, but... <laughs> I think way. I didn't go very fast. Yeah. <laughs> that was my bad. <laughs> no, we never do, I swear. So, where did you grow up and was your house always like sporty or that something that your family was really into growing up?
1: Yeah, they were. So, I grew up, um, I'm from Sydney and I grew up, uh, I live in Western Sydney and I grew up here and I'm one of five siblings and my older sister was the one that was the most sporty and she's the one that kind of started for everybody and she was super talented at everything but she mainly focused on swimming and basically because she was swimming a lot at Sydney Olympic Park that's actually where I first saw diving uh-huh. and that's why I wanted to try diving but before that I basically did a bit of swimming and a few other things a bit of gymnastics and just school sport and I was literally bad at everything <laughs> uh, and my the rest of my family was sort of like me they didn't get sporty until a bit later but Mm -hmm. my older sister was she paved the way and she was like really sporty from like a really young age
0: oh awesome someone to kind of follow and look up to yeah we usually ask our guests you know how did you start in your sport or, or tell us about how you got into it and and at what point your journey shifted where you realized it would be a career but I guess we know you because of how much you know your story of being this incredibly young person succeeding in diving you know like that's that's the story. That's what you think of when the, when you hear your name, right? So you were thirteen when you first competed at the Commonwealth Games. Am I right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was it like having that path cemented? I guess at from that age that you know this was going to be your thing.
1: Uh, I think it was it was a pretty good feeling because when I. Um, and you mentioned how you normally ask athletes, you know, when they sort of shifted their mindset to thinking that they were, you know, going to take it seriously and going to make it in their sport. And for me, that was probably when I was t- like at the age of 12. So, pretty much like a bit over a year later, I was at the Commonwealth Games. And for me, once I got into a high performance squad at 12 years old, I felt like there was a lot of pressure on me to maintain my place in the squad and we we always got you know given reviews and you're just constantly worried about your place in the squad so for me to make that Commonwealth Games team at 13 was actually a bit of a relief and I think that was the first time where I thought okay I think for once like that I'm I'm kind of safe I can just focus on that you know my diving and and trying to do the best I can and get results that my coach wants without that kind of extra pressure of of being like you know what if I'm not safe so uh it was yeah pretty amazing experience and, and I think too because I was so focused all the time on my goals and what was next what was next I never sort of appreciated you know ha- the progress I was making and when I made that Com games everyone was sort of talking about it, and it was really it was weird because for so long <laughs> I just felt like I you know kind of wasn't good enough or that I was always striving to get better and be better so that was really cool as well.
0: Yeah, that must have been crazy. I think there's, do you think there's also a little bit of benefit of being um, that young and like kind of not realizing to a certain, like how much of a big deal it was?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that that was a really important thing that, you know, I was young and a bit naive and I just kind of went in there and I didn't know any of my competitors. I didn't know, I had watched videos of previous international comps, so I did know, like who they were and I'd seen them dive like from videos but I think just not having never competed against them when I went in I didn't already kind of go into any preconceived idea of where I was going to place or anything like that and I think that that was a really important thing especially because there was a lot of media attention around that time that was one thing I had to deal with but yeah not having that pressure of um you know having to get a certain place or that I was going to have to beat a certain person was really good.
0: Yeah, so I guess the lack of expectations in that, that first time around probably helped you breathe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And how did that experience, and I guess everything that followed through your adolescence, change your everyday life? Were you still going to school or, yeah, what what changed in that aspect?
1: I think that um, nothing really changed um f- in terms of having gone to the Commonwealth Games or later when I went to my first Olympics, nothing really changed too much in terms of my my life, other than a few opportunities, I guess, you know, a few events here and there. But diving's not a huge sport, so there's <laughs> not really a lot um, in it. It's all personal satisfaction. But I think, though, um, not so much the comps I'd done, but when I got to a certain age, I had to then move up into. Um, a higher squad and Mm -hmm. the coach there made things a little bit difficult for me in terms of being able to study and and have a life outside of diving so that's one thing I did struggle with but just a lack of sort of social skills and and really struggling to be able to work out how I was going to study and do that with diving.
0: Mm. Well my next question was going to be what were the biggest challenges in in that period growing up so you know having those kind of social things strained, as you said. Another thing that um, the girls and I were actually talking about earlier this week with our regular weekly episode, there's been this announcement that the AFL is dropping um, a skin you know how they do skin fold tests um, mm-hmm. and they're not doing it on their draft prospects because they don't want to put that extra pressure of like fat shaming or, you know, body yeah. image there. Being um, a teenage girl is pretty tough with body image regardless of what you do. When your body is your job, it, like it was that, a, and that might be a personal question you don't have to answer, but did that play a part in like some of that extra pressure and the challenges that you were grappling with at that age?
1: Yeah, for sure. So that that came around the time just after I went to my first Olympics. So I went to my first Olympics when I was 16 and then probably another sort of few months after that, right before I turned 17, um, I struggled, yeah, a bit with kind of everything. I was struggling mentally, I was struggling like physically with going through puberty and obviously gaining weight during that time and it's not only – it is like a huge thing in diving as body image because you're in a swimsuit and you're in front of people all the time, but also for girls when you go through puberty, it really changes the feeling of diving and it mm. kind of takes you a while to adjust to that and it makes you um, kind of slower when you spin and it affects your power and that kind of thing. So I, I struggled with how I felt – that I looked, but I also struggled with my body in terms of that it wasn't performing the same way it did before. And I had to adjust to that. Um, but yeah, I, and then it would, then I had yeah some mental health issues as well. So that was a really tough time for me, actually. And that's when I made a decision to move. I was living in Brisbane at the time. I moved back to Sydney to train with a coach that I've been with ever since. And I wanted to completely change my training environment because I literally literally was at the point where I just wanted to quit the sport and I Mm. was so unhappy and I didn't like being at training. I didn't like how I felt every day. Uh, And that was a really good decision for me, but I definitely still had a bit of struggle period after I moved, even though I was happier in the environment. Definitely in terms of um, body image and, and that kind of thing, it took me like I basically had to wait till I came like out the other side of puberty, like when I was like 21 to like fully overcome those sort of physical Um, issues and and fully adjust but yeah it was just about being patient and and having a more supportive environment that helped me with that.
0: Yeah absolutely and I've seen you talk a bit about um, you know mental health and well-being something that you really care about as well what Mm -hmm. do you have any practices or or, you know mindfulness techniques that you use now to to look after yourself in that sense because I guess mental fitness is just as important as physical.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I think in general, just having a good support network around you is, I think, number one, because it makes it easier for you when you can rely on people around you to help you. Not that they're going to do it all for you, but if you have people that you can sort of lean on and confide in, that definitely makes it um, easier for you to be more positive and to feel better. And then I think the second thing is that I work with a psychologist uh, and we focus a lot on positivity and just, I think... When I found out how to change the way that I looked at things, it made a big difference for me. And I, without realizing it, I just always had a kind of negative outlook on things. I would always see the negative side to things. Mm -hmm. But I think just looking for the positives and always sort of taking that forward is really helpful. And especially too when the situation is looking negative to be able to see the positive in that. And when I was able to do that and change my thought process that was when I really started feeling a lot better in myself and then it also had a on effect to my diving and I started improving there as well.
0: Oh, that's that's really nice. I like that, um, you know, looking for silver linings. It's something that I always try and mm. do, especially in the last few years with COVID, you know, all yeah, the lockdowns, exactly. I've been like, you know, it's, it's bad because of everything but there's silver linings because I get to spend more time with my family because we're locked in the house together you know stuff like that yeah exactly yeah I think it's
1: good because otherwise you like it drives you crazy otherwise like if you just constantly like yeah everyone and I think too when everyone's sort of saying negative things it's really easy to just fall into that as well but if you can do the opposite and mm. look for the positives it makes it so much easier
0: yeah absolutely so um you're 29 now and this year, you won bronze at Tokyo, which was amazing. Congratulations. Thank it you. was your fourth Olympics too, which is so insane. When you look Thank back you. to that first one in Beijing in 2008 and where you are now, how, have, how do you feel like you've changed as an athlete? Are the nerves still there? Like what feels different or the same?
1: So the same is definitely the nerves, actually. I've always been a really nervous competitor and that hasn't changed at all in the whole time I've been diving and I gave up waiting for it to change because it definitely won't. But I think I'm nervous because I care and I and I always want to do well. So I think it's not a bad thing. But I think how I've changed would just be in how I've dealt with things like that, nerves, expectations, stress, uh, I guess just adapting to different environments and just having that experience from Competing over the years, I think that I've I can definitely see a big improvement in my consistency as a diver. And I think in diving, when you compete, it's like a hundred percent mindset. So I attribute that a hundred percent to an improvement in my mindset. And that is actually something I've had to work really hard on. Mm. As I mentioned, I see my psychologist really frequently, and, and, and I've had to really put in work in that area. Uh, but I think, yeah, just growing as a person and as an athlete, and just, yeah, I guess not getting so hung up on looking at the scoreboard and thinking about scores and results and just trying to focus more on the process of things I, I think I really grew a lot in that aspect and that made a big difference for me
0: yeah how did you handle I guess the media attention when that first came because I remember back in 2008 when I was in high school seeing you in the headlines as the the youngest ever to win a medal in the sport for the Australian team and like being this you know incredibly you know and well deserving, Golden girl for for us like and again being so young like the media side of things really freaks me out. How did how did you how did that feel to experience it?
1: Uh, it was pretty different. I've always been a really shy person, and and even before, I kind of felt isolated because I was focusing on diving so much. Uh, I wasn't always the most outgoing person in in primary school. I was always really shy, and I really hid behind my siblings a lot. So. Getting that media attention was a bit crazy for me, but it was also something that I kind of got thrown into, and I could do interviews and and speak in front of them, which I was like lucky that at school we you know he had to get up and speak and that kind of thing. I was like, okay, it'll just be like school. But apart from doing that and talking to them, I was not that comfortable with just you know media attention. So I think it was good in a way because I didn't really let it go to my head, and I didn't really do anything differently. I was just like, oh, okay, it's another thing that I just you know have to do and and that's fine, and, and I kind of enjoyed it. Like it was good, but I, it didn't really change me or change how I did anything. And diving's not a,
0: a big sport, anyway. Yeah, so yeah. I'm
1: sure it's like nothing compared to what you know, big athletes, you know, in, in bigger sports get.
0: Yeah, and you're right. It's probably for the best if you don't have to stress about every single thing you do. And get, <laughs> you're gonna get papped everywhere or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that, like, you kind of at I felt a little bit isolated in the world of diving um does that mean like these days are all your friends divers or do you get time where you're like completely away from it you don't want to talk about it?
1: Uh, I, so I have like a lot of international diving friends and the people that I dive with in Sydney, like we're really good friends as well. Um, but then I also have friends outside of that who are still uh, like in sport and it's been really cool. I think just through my business, hardcore strength and through my brother, um, and my sister, just moving in those circles of like those kind of strength sports. Uh, it's cool to have, to have friends who are still athletic and have the same kind of mindset as you but they're not in the same sport so it's it's similar but it's also like a bit of fresh air like away from diving too which is really nice
0: yeah so like like like-minded people who you can still talk about other stuff with yeah yeah exactly so you mentioned your business there so it is a a training gym and you also have an athletic wear um business Mm -hmm. am i right
1: yeah i do Yeah.
0: yeah how did they come about
1: Uh, So Hardcore was my first business, and I set that up with my brother, and he's a weightlifter. So my whole family pretty much, except for me, is in weightlifting, Uh, and that's a strength gym but also a weightlifting club. So we run it basically out of our home gym at the moment, and it's actually grown a lot since we've had it the last few years, and it's now the biggest club in New South Wales, the biggest weightlifting club, which is pretty cool. Uh, so that's how that came about, and yeah, basically I don't coach in my business because it's weightlifting. I definitely don't don't <laughs> coach that. I just do more of the the business side of things and work with our youth scholarship athletes uh, with uh, sort of mentoring a mindset, which is really cool. And then my brother and my sister coach coach um, the lifters and then my business Havoc Athletic which is an activewear label I just started that a couple of years ago just as a bit of a sort of side hustle I've always liked being creative and doing that kind of thing and obviously I've worn active wear like my whole life so yeah. I yeah, just basically started that and, and that's still a work in progress and it's something that I've just sort of um, chip away out gradually, so I can still focus on diving, and it doesn't take up too much of my time. But I really enjoy it; it's really fun.
0: Yeah, that must be really cool. Jeez, you like to keep busy, don't you? Just not just one, <laughs> two. But... Yeah, yeah, I'm very busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, is the gym based in Western Sydney?
1: It is. Yeah. So we live in Western Sydney, near Eastern Creek, and yeah. it's just based out of there. We also operate. Um, a couple of days a week out of our friend's CrossFit gym, which is CrossFit cool. 247 in Seven Hills. Um, they've been a huge help to us and
0: and that's been great working with them as well. Yeah, that sounds so cool. So is there? do you think there's any lessons that you've learned as an athlete that have helped you as a business owner? Uh, I think just generally having
1: resilience as an athlete is really helpful. And one the, probably the biggest thing I've struggled with as a business owner compared to an athlete is that when you're an athlete, you're told all the time, like exactly what to do, where to be. You don't, you just have to focus on, on doing it well, but you don't really have to sort of guide where you're going. But I think that was one thing I struggled with as a business owner. But in saying that, I think just the resilience of being an athlete and, in diving, you actually have probably more bad comps than good ones for a long period of time until you kind of gain that experience. So I was used to sort of just always kind of picking myself up after a bad comp and, and that sort of feeling of, oh, you know, I'm, haven't done well again and I think just that and and overcoming a lot of obstacles like injuries and and other things like that made it a lot easier because things go wrong for me all the time in my because you don't know what you're doing half the time you're kind of just finding out as you go so I think just if something doesn't go to plan I know how to deal with that because I've had to deal with that as an athlete over and over and over again and I think that that's probably the biggest thing that's um, like the, the thing that's been the most helpful for me.
0: Yeah, I can imagine, especially having a gym again through COVID um, <laughs> would have been tough, but would have been like uh, nothing, water for ducks back to not uh, broken bones or, or that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was watching your Instagram the other day of the video of um, you jumping on a trampoline, doing flips like that. Tell Mm -hmm. us a bit about what the average training day looks like for you. Is it a lot of that sort of stuff and then in the water? Like we'd love to hear a bit more about the, you know, every step in that day.
1: Yeah, sure. So basically every afternoon we do our pool sessions and that's usually about three hours long. And that's just doing repetitions of dives over and over. I compete 10-meter platform, but you can't, Train that every day because it's too much, um, like load on the body, and you'll get injured. So I basically will do a few sessions a week on ten meter, and then the other sessions are either like on the lower platforms or on the springboards and practicing basics and technique. And then in the mornings we do a mix. So a couple of days a week we do what we call dry land, and that's in like a big gymnastics center, and that's on like. Boards into the pit and on trampolines and we have crash mats that we we somersault just the whole time basically (laughs) and then the other mornings during the week we do gym which is just you know your classic gym session we have an snc coach that programs that for us so you go and do gym program and we basically focus in diving a lot on leg strength and power and we need to be really strong in our core as well so we do a lot of core work too
0: so is that like full time at the moment? Did you have any break after finishing in Tokyo before you got straight back into that?
1: Uh, I did kind of. So actually, when I was in hotel quarantine after Tokyo, I found out that I was going to be on SAS. So I've just come back a few weeks ago from that. So basically, then once I came out of hotel quarantine, had four weeks to prepare, and I went pretty hard at that because it was really different to what I'm used to as a diver. And even though I was Like fit, and that I went to the Olympics. That was for diving. It was a very specific type of um, fitness. Whereas I had to, yeah, run and do all these other things. I had to kind of try and bulk up a bit. Uh, So that was a pretty hard four weeks. Then, then I filmed it for a couple of weeks, and then I actually then had two weeks off after that because I was like, I think I should have a bit of a break at (laughs) least because I haven't had one after Tokyo. So I had two weeks off, and then I've now been back to diving. This is my second week back. Yeah. Um, so it's been about a week and a half or so, and yeah, it's, it's good. I'm glad I took that two weeks cause I think I really needed it to have that two weeks off, but now I have a comp in December. Uh, so it's about five weeks away. So because I haven't given myself that long to get ready, I've pretty much got to go pretty much like full into it, but I just keep Wednesdays off at the moment uh, nice. just to have one day. So it's not so full on, yeah. but, yeah, pretty much back into normal training to get ready as quick as I can.
0: Wow. Well, speaking of SAS, that was definitely on my list of things to ask because I think <laughs> when I first um, – checked in to see if you'd be available for this chat. You said you had a, a big thing in October and had to <laughs> go. And then I saw the announcement and I was like, that's gotta be it. That's yeah. <laughs> so cool. And it's been such a massive success on TV the last two seasons. What um I guess motivated you to to say yes to that opportunity?
1: So at first I was a little worried because I obviously diving is always my number one priority and I was worried about getting injured or it looks pretty full on on TV. So that was my biggest concern. So I think I I definitely thought about it for a few days before I said yes. And then I thought it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I I don't want to not do this. I think it would be really good for personal growth and to challenge myself. And, and I think one reason I really want to do it is because in diving, like it's been the same thing, like sort of over and over for a lot of years. And it has been really challenging to, to, get really good and to achieve the goals that I want but you're sort of just in this like little comfort zone that you're, you're comfortable and you'd like you know you're good at it you just have to improve on these little bits but SS was going to be something that was like completely outside of my comfort zone outside of my control even because you mm. don't know what you have to do and and I think just mentally for me as an athlete that always gets really nervous to compete and, and a bit anxious and, and likes to have everything you know being control of everything I think That for me that was a big area where I thought okay this is a cool opportunity to just grow and just do something and and just like let go of that control for once and it was it was like true we I had no control and it was like really scary (laughs) but I think it was it was really good it was a really good opportunity to to learn from that and grow from that
0: yeah when um this season was airing we were all talking about the different challenges and how we would think that we'd go in them and, and this kind of stuff and I um Almost completely ruled myself out for a lot of it because um, I was terrified looking at especially the um, oh, the crawling through a hole thing. But I, I'm sure you can't tell us what, what you've done. But, um, it, I, yeah, I admire your bravery in doing that. Thank you. <laughs> so I guess, and this is probably the question you've been asked um, the most since Tokyo, is are we going to see you in Paris?
1: uh look never say never I'm still going I'm basically at the moment just setting more short-term goals myself so right now just focusing on the comp in December and then after that I'll reset again and and reset again reset again so rather than like normal having a full cycle sort of planned out and then working backwards i'm just going to take it more one step at a time and and i think that is good because it sort of i think will take a bit of the pressure off as well uh, i think because i've always been so focused you know olympics is always the, the goal and then you work back from there i think just even taking it one step at a time it's kind of a different approach and mm. yeah we'll see how that goes
0: yeah well we're looking forward to hopefully seeing you in a fifth olympics that would be i mean there's surely some sort of record there right if how many i mean no it's um andrew hoy isn't it who holds the record for that many olympics i'm not sure who but i feel like it's it's a lot of olympics the record yeah Yeah. (laughs) well um you know it's always been so amazing to watch you and you've been such a you know, household name when it comes to the Olympics for for a long time, and I think your the longevity in your career is amazing. And hearing you talk about how important resilience and yeah, looking after your mental fitness as well is to you that that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to share. It's been amazing to talk to you and to hear more about that. I guess the last sort of question um, I have for you is like, yeah, what what's next? I mean, we've got SAS to watch you on are you going to get into more reality tv do you think (laughs) oh yeah what else is on the cards uh look i think that's probably the one and only show that you'll see (laughs) (laughs)
1: uh yeah so i'm i'm yes outside of diving i'm i'm busy with my businesses i've got the gym and uh, i got havoc as well and i also do i do coaching for the new south Wales institute of sport and i also have my own sort of business that i Coach with another guy I used to dive with um, and that's diving coaching as well so between everything it's, it keeps me quite busy and I just want to still focus on diving but then also focus on the businesses and, and keep the momentum going and just see what I can do with them.
0: I don't think there's much you couldn't do with them because um, <laughs> you are killing it so thank you so much Melissa for making the time and yeah it was it was great to chat Thanks for having me Thank you for listening to this episode of Chicks and Balls, the podcast. A massive thank you again to Melissa for coming on and sharing. It's truly awesome, everything that you're doing, and we hope to see you in Paris. If you're enjoying the show, make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Follow us on Instagram at Chicks and Balls Pod, on TikTok at Chicks and Balls Pod, and on Twitter at Chicks and Balls No Pod. And other than that, we'll catch you next time. Bye.